Go ahead in your Bible to Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11. If uh, you did happen to miss any of the weeks uh, from uh, this 12-week series, they are on uh, our, our website, and uh, you can get them by a podcast. You can get them uh, from our website. Uh, surprisingly enough, there are uh, 150 people that get the podcast for this class. Surprisingly enough, and you know, and then another 35 or 40 people that are typically in here, and uh, I. I love it that people are always interested in trying to handle themselves and their children and their homes uh, better. And uh, I love it that people are considering what God has to say about it when they, when they make those decisions. And, uh, you know, you lead your home, you lead your family. Uh, I just think it's wise just to, to listen and uh, pray and, and decide how God would have you handle things. Uh, so like usual, uh, we'll uh, start off with some of the questions you turned in. Uh, question number one. My kids have been saved, but only read the Bible and pray when I ask them to. Uh, how do I get that going? Um, every saved parent wants their children to be saved. Uh, every saved parent who tries to be faithful to Jesus wants their children to also decide to live faithfully and, and uh, be more than just saved. Uh, so what I would say to you is this. You, you First, you need to be careful because... It, the desire to read the Bible and pray and be around God's people, I mean, that should be in every saved person. But those desires are not the same level in every Christian person. You know, depending on uh, what a person's personality is, their gifts and calling, uh, and their work for Christ, um, you know, that level is going to be different. Uh, I don't think that the, God puts the same desire to study the Bible in someone who has the spiritual gift of ministry as he does in someone who has the spiritual gift of teaching. Uh, when you have the spiritual gift of teaching, along with that comes this spiritual desire to study. And so you need to be careful first that you're not expecting desires from your child that are more in tune with your desires rather than theirs. I mean, that being said, I mean, every genuinely saved person I mean, you should have some desire for the Bible, some desire for church, some desire for uh, uh, prayer, some, some desire for God's people. I mean, that is a, a part of what changes in our heart when, when we get saved. Uh, as parents, you know, one of the things we were always looking for, because it's really easy if you've been around a biblical church very long, I mean, it's real easy for children, you know, to make a profession of faith. And because parents are anxious for uh, that to happen, sometimes some parents are not as careful as they should be. And um, we were looking for uh, spiritual desires in our children to, uh, you know, have confidence that their salvation was real. And I would suggest the same thing uh, for you. And if you don't see any spiritual desires in your child, in your child who's made a profession of faith, you know what? I mean, don't just say, well, I know they're saved. They said this prayer. No, listen, if there's no spiritual desires, there's no spiritual life. Just be careful that you don't decide what's in their heart because you don't know. And just be careful that you don't expect something from them that is God's expectation from you. Um, question number two, 
how do you help your child with a weight problem without hurting their feelings or having a bad view of themselves? Uh, some people, they more naturally put on weight than others, and, and uh, others are overweight just purely because of bad eating habits and uh, lack of uh, exercise. Uh, if your child's over seven or eight, chances are they're already really well aware uh, of the problem. Uh, the first thing I'd recommend is have this area of life under control yourself. You know, it's kind of like a parent who smokes saying to your child, don't smoke. You know, uh, second thing I'd recommend is that you just serve healthier food in your house. And there will be less options then for, you know, things that are, that are unhealthy. Um, everybody uh, struggles with body image issues. I, I don't think there's probably uh, a woman anywhere who doesn't struggle with body image issues. And the reason for that is, is our standard for comparison is uh, the people in Hollywood who basically were, A, selected by and large because they were the most beautiful among the beautiful, and secondly, they have nothing else to do other than keep themselves in shape, and their career is depending on it. And thirdly, they have all these trainers and makeup artists doctoring up everything they do. You know, and so because the standard of comparison is faulty, everybody's view of themselves is faulty. Uh, like I've said to you multiple times, do the best you can to try to get your child's self-image to be based on what God thinks of them, uh, because that is always good, and their character and who they are, because that's under their control. You know, fact of the matter is, you know, uh, we didn't really pick how attractive our, our facial features are and our, our some natural things. I mean, God picked those. And so you're really never going to keep them from struggling, but you can respond and handle this in a way that will make them struggle less. And um, uh, the other thing I would really recommend is that you not adapt this mentality where you go from one diet to the next. Um, this is Millerology, but I, I think uh, pretty much for the most part, any diet that is anything other than eat less and eat healthy and exercise, I think in the end it probably hurts people more than we realize. Uh, I, I think human physiology is a complicated thing. You know, you say, well, I'm cutting out all carbohydrates, and, and I'll, okay, go ahead. I mean, yes, you can lose weight, but is that really healthy? What does that hurt? You know, who, who really knows? And the answer is nobody. And so that's why I think, by and large, uh, all these fad diets, they just kind of produce this binge and purge mentality. Uh, I, I think the best thing to do, and it's the hardest thing to do, just simply try to eat healthier, eat less, and, and be more active. Um, you asked the question. Uh, question number three, um, how do you handle it when your child is being bullied by a kid at church and the kid's parents don't do anything? Uh, Getting along with people in every environment, including the church, uh, it is difficult for both adults and children. Uh, I think the most unhealthy thing that people do to themselves and their children is always this decision to withdraw from every conflict. When in reality, part of having a healthy marriage and being functional in the workplace and being functional in, in, in ministry is we have to learn how to get along with people who are not like us. And um, 
And so really what I would do is, number one, um, for the most of the part, I, I would use those as uh, opportunities for teaching moments for your child, you know, and uh, help them learn how to get along with, with people that are, are not like them. If it continues and you feel like it's, you know, pretty severe, what I would do is I, I would uh, talk to some of the uh, children's workers or teen workers, if it's a teenager, and, and get another perspective on what's going on. I mean, if you haven't come to the conclusion that when your child describes what's going on, you're only hearing the half of the story that's in their favor, you're never going to parent your children well. You know, and, and so get, get more perspective on it. And you know what? Sometimes you might get more perspective on it and, and learn that, hey, you know what? This is pretty severe, and, and you might need to have a private uh, conversation with another adult. Uh, I think those uh, times are rare, but they do happen. And, and I would always recommend before you get to that point, you know, work, try working through this with your child. Try working through it with uh, other children's workers who are around when you're not. And uh, the more you get directly involved uh, like that, especially as your kids get older, you know, the, the worse it is. I, I can tell you how teenagers respond when parents get involved in every conflict. What they do is they inevitably just say, you know what, I know what their parents going to do. I'm just, I don't, want, I don't want to deal with them. That's what a teenager does. And, you know, you say, well, it shouldn't be like that. Well, you know what? You were pretty dumb and short-sighted when you were 15 also. And, and so, you know, it's hard enough socially, no matter where you are. Uh, you know, as parents, we need to just make wise decisions that don't make it more difficult uh, on, on our, our children. Uh, work through it. You know, work through it. It'll, it'll be okay. And re remember that... Um, the perspective when you're 15 is that when some event happens, you know, your girlfriend or boyfriend breaks up with you. I mean, you dated for two weeks, uh, and you really didn't go anywhere. Um, you know, I mean, to you at 15, that situation is like this. You know, as an adult uh, who's seasoned in life, you get that that situation is really like this. But it really, it, it does feel like that to them. And so you have to remember that when you handle them or you just blow off things that are actually really important to them. Um, some interesting but uh, not uh, serious uh, quotes. Uh, there are times when parenting seems like feeding the mouth that bites you. Uh, number two, don't be discouraged if your children reject your advice. Uh, years later, they'll offer it to their own children. Uh, a couple of thoughts about parenting. Uh, number one, teach your children the importance of hard work in the home, church, and life. Hard work is part of godliness. Uh, number two, put as much or more effort into building a relationship with your child uh, than you do in establishing yourself as their authority. R remember, back from like week two, you know, the importance of establishing yourself as uh, the authority in your child's life. I mean, uh, work really hard at a relationship with them, too. Uh, item number three, uh, thought number three, uh, many bad habits adults struggle to break would not be there if their parents would not have allowed that habit to start. I, I, I wish we could just really let that sink in. And uh, listen, there's not a person here as an adult who's not trying to fix this or that in their life to make that situation better. And the fact of the matter is, is a lot of those situations, they started when we were a kid. 
And, uh, and so we really help our children long term when we think about, um, you know, all the stuff we've been talking about in particular for the last five weeks. The last five weeks we've been talking about uh, good character. I, I don't have all the answers. This is our 12th week of 12 uh, together. Normally I take 15 or 16 weeks for this. This year I added some new stuff, took some stuff out. And, and so uh, at the end of class you should have a, a piece of paper. I'll be real interested in your evaluation of the class, your honest feedback, uh, good or bad. You know, some things you thought were good. If you have some things you think would make it better, uh, you know, you're turning them in anonymously. And even if it weren't, I, I, I would listen to them. I, I want to do a good job and continue to try to do better at, at what I do. And, um, and so the last five weeks, as we've closed out this class, we've been talking about uh, building character, how to a, build our own character and strengthen our own character, and how to build these character attributes in our, in our children. And uh, uh, it is so uh, difficult and so wrong to be focused on our kids' reputation and image more than we are on their character. I mean, if you just simply remember, if we are what we're supposed to be, uh, our reputation and our image, it will take care of itself. And we just have to be patient and, and, and trust the Lord. And so today, what I want to do is I want to just teach one more character quality. And then I kind of want to do what I've done a couple of other times. I sort of want to just sit across the table from you and uh, just chat about a couple of random things that I think uh, are helpful for uh, us as we try to parent our children. Uh, it should be in your Bible in Proverbs chapter 11. Uh, it should be in your Bible, Proverbs 11, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 3. says, The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Uh, here's our, the character quality. Teach them their integrity is more invaluable than their possessions. Teach them their integrity is more valuable than their possessions. Did you see the integrity of the upright shall guide them? Uh, you know, when you have integrity, it makes decision-making a lot of times a lot easier. You, we're all in situations, what do I do here? Uh, do the thing that reflects integrity. And it makes a lot of decisions easier. Well... Easier to know what to do, not necessarily easier to do it. But integrity guides us, and integrity is contrasted with perverseness. And you know what? Uh, the lack of integrity, it'll destroy us and our children. Uh, turn up to chapter 20 of Proverbs. And if this verse is not highlighted or underlined in your, in your Bible in some way, it ought to be. I pause every time. I, I read uh, 14 chapters in Proverbs uh, every month, have, have for, for decades. Uh, but I, I pause every time I read this. And Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7 says, A just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. And a part of being a just person in God's sight is to live with integrity. And part of the promise, or I should say the principle, that that integrity produces, it produces blessed children. And every time I pause, I say, God, help me to live with integrity, and I pray you bless my children. And it's pretty obvious that integrity matters. It's, integrity is a steadfast adherence to moral or ethical code. It is honesty. Um, our integrity ought to not be for sale at any price. Uh, not for a dollar too much change. Not for a $50 bill we see some lady drop out of her purse. 
not for dishonesty in our tax return that we might get $2,000 back. You know, those are really all, when you break them down, they're price tags on our integrity. Um, most of the world around us, I think we all here understand, our world is driven by situational ethics. It has very little true integrity. And integrity, it just it doesn't change when the deal gets sweeter. I mean, think about it. How about the, you think about the NFL? The NFL doesn't want certain kinds of people unless they're really good. I mean, the Bengals are like that. You may remember Chris Henry. You know, they didn't want Chris Henry until Chris Henry was good. Uh, we think about uh, the government. They look at us and they say, I'm not going to raise your taxes. And so what they do is they raise tax taxes on businesses and, and fees. And so in the end, then the business raise their price. And so you and I are still are paying them, which is really just a lack of integrity. Um, we, we see guys, and you, you, uh, I used to watch the NFL. I, I stopped now that they won't stand for the national anthem or even stay inside because uh, I was fine with that. Uh, but I uh, used to be a big NFL fan, and you may remember Brett Favre, and you know he uh, retired until somebody made him a sweet enough deal to come back. You, you, you know, and we need to be careful that our integrity is not uh, for sale because integrity, it's linked with something we all want, and that's trust. You know, when we don't have integrity in our marriage, if we don't have integrity as a parent, if we don't have integrity as an employee or as a boss, uh, if we don't have integrity as a ministry leader or a follower, listen, no one is going to trust us. And so we need to work hard to build integrity. Uh, you know, what would it cost Satan to get you to be immoral? You know, some people have a price tag. Uh, what would it cost uh, Satan to give you, uh, get you to give up on your faith? Would it cost him a promotion at work? Would it cost a, a bigger house? Uh, listen, whenever in our heart we are not so fixed on who we are and what we're going to do and on Christ, then we have a price tag. And eventually uh, Satan will figure it out and he'll offer it and, and we'll be gone. We shouldn't be for sale at any price. See, integrity, we, we, a lot of times we think about it wrongly and we only uh, attach it to huge issue, whereas in reality our integrity is actually built in really, really small things uh, like fudging on a time card you know, to get a few extra dollars, uh, fudging on an expense report to get a few extra dollars, um, dishonesty with the government, our taxes, uh, telling a boss we did something we didn't really do. Listen, integrity, I, I get that it's tough to have, but it is one of the most valuable character qualities to build in, in, in our life and to teach our children. How about this? How about, not, how, how about spending money behind your spouse's back you know they wouldn't like? And so you somehow just work it out so they don't know. See, what that is, is that's a lack of integrity. Uh, I, I hope that everybody here uh, are working to build your own integrity. I know I'm working to build mine. And I hope as a parent you're working to build the integrity of your children. You say, Brother Wally, how, how do I teach my children integrity? Listen, integrity is always going to cost us money and it's always going to be inconvenient. And, and that's why most people don't have it. 
Uh, how do I teach my children integrity? Uh, first off, let them see your integrity. Let them see it costs you money and inconvenience to be honest, to handle your money and the people's money around you honestly. Uh, make lying a big deal in your house. When your child does something wrong, them being honest about what they did ought to be a separate from the offense of what they did. In other words, if they do something wrong and lie about it, that's two offenses, not one. If they do something wrong and are honest about it, then it's one offense and you can maybe lighten up a little bit because they were honest about it and you're teaching them the value of honesty and integrity. Uh, always talk about the value of honesty. Always link honesty with trust. I mean, uh, talk about these things. Compliment them. When you see them uh, be honest, when you see them be honest and it costs them something, when you see them do something with integrity, say something. You know, be complimentary, not, not just penalty-focused for when they don't have it. Um, and so what I want to do then to, to close out, because that's the last character quality I wanted to share uh, with you. I, I want to sit across the table from you a little bit and just sort of do some uh, cafeteria-style smorgasbord uh, type of stuff, just some random uh, thoughts uh, about, about helping us in our homes and our children. First, go in your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I mean, not everything fits into like a nice category, and especially since I chopped four weeks off of this, you know, some, some of it I didn't spend as much time in, in, in some details, um, and everybody's different. I mean, some people, they want a lot of details, and, and other people, they want as little of detail as possible, and, and so I just tried to do the best I can. Here's the, the, just the first random thought. Number one, pace the privileges you give your children. Pace the privileges you give your children. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. To everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get. Uh, time to lose, a time to keep, time to cast away. And, and we could keep going, and you get this general idea that timing is everything. Uh, timing is everything. I mean, understand that the first part of our problem as a parent is, what do I do? And the second part we have uh, is, when do I do it? And so... When we pace the privileges we give our children, it's one of the best things we, we do. I mean, some of the least wise parents I know, I mean, they give their little children everything. I, I mean, I'm telling you, their five-year-old girl shaves her legs. She's got three piercings uh, in her ears. Their, their five-year-old son, you know, has the latest gaming system. Uh, I, you know, pace the privileges you give your children. Um, bedtimes, as they get older, they should get later. Uh, it's a privilege to stay up later. Uh, by the way, if you have more than one child in, in your house, it's okay for your 12-year-old to go to a different time to bed than your 8-year-old. You, know, you say, hey, you know what? They're 12, you're 8. Good night. <laughs> 
Uh, time with friends should increase as they get older. You know, it's a privilege to spend time with friends. You know, I, I, I don't think a, a five-year-old ought to have as much privileges with friends as a 15-year-old. Pace that. Uh, things are allowed to do without you there. Uh, they should increase as they get older. I, I mean, I literally know people uh, who let their 8- and 10-year-old hang out with their friend at Kings Island without them there. Like, what? And if you go there, you'll see it. Uh, pace their privileges. Um, the freedom to make more of their decisions should increase as they get older. Now, as long as they're in a roof, your roof, you should make some. But the older they get, you should let them make more and more. Um, pace things like cell phones, uh, movies and television pro programs they get to watch, discussing their discipline with you, uh, when they drive. Uh, for girls, things like uh, the amount of makeup they can wear or if they get to wear makeup, uh, how many times they can pierce their ears when they shave their legs. I mean, pace those things. Th those, it, listen, it, it, there's so many things in life uh, that uh, we can't let them do because they're wrong. You better pace the things that they can do that are, that are right. Are pretty, they're going to be nine, and you're going to have nothing left to allow them to do. That's good for them. Uh, for boys, the type of gaming system, uh, which video games they have, the input they have, and how they cut their hair, or how they wear their facial hair. Uh, you know, I, I used to say things to our boys all the time, you know, uh, I mean, cut it or put a ribbon in it. <laughs> uh, cut them or paint them. <laughs> But pace the, uh, what say you let them have and the things that are going in the, uh, on their life. You know what? As they get older, what's going to happen, though? They're going to make some decisions you don't like. And you need to pause and step back and, and just be honest and say, you know what? Is this really something that's sinful that's in the Scriptures or is this my preference? And you have to be honest when you face those things and, and let them make some more decisions. Um, now, this is going to be hard for a lot of reasons. I mean, first off, just as a parent, we like saying yes whenever we can. Uh, but it's also going to be hard because other good families are not going to pace things at the same pace you do. Uh, now, I don't know what it's like to be in a situation where everybody's stricter than me. <laughs> uh, in the environment our kids grew up on, I mean, I think it's fair to say you were probably raised stricter than anybody that was close to us. Now, when they were with their cousins, their cousins were raised more strictly, but uh, in our little circle of people, they were the most strict. So I, I only had to handle this from, why do they get to do that and I don't, you know? And you've got to handle that and, and face that. And you have to handle your family and um, f help them fight this natural desire to be in the next phase of life instead of enjoying the phase they're in. You know, when you're a child, you want to be a teenager. When you're a young teenager, you want to be an older teenager. When you're an older teenager, you want to be a young adult. When you're a young adult, you want to be a married... I mean, really help them enjoy where they are. And you really will so benefit them in life if, if, if you can succeed in that. Uh, go back to Proverbs chapter 24. 
Remember, this is just uh, sort of a, a smorgasbord of thoughts. By the way, I'm purposely teaching you biblical principles and just talking about applications because you've got to make applications of these in your own life. We're not supposed to, in some ways, be cookie cutters of each other. I mean, there's some cookie cutter doctrine things uh, and there's some cookie cutter faithfulness things, but you know what? There's a lot of things also where the Lord just allows us to express our individuality within principles he gave us. Um, Here's number two. Take a long-term view of the events and difficulties they face. A long-term view of the events and difficulties they face. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27. Proverbs 24, 27. It says, Prepare thy work without, uh, and make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterwards build thine house. And say, so what, what does he mean? What's he saying? He says, listen, live in a tent, and... Get your fields all planted and going. And afterwards, when that's all planted and going, then build the house. What he's doing is, he, is in, he, in effect, he's saying, take a long-term view of this decision. He says, I know it would be more convenient for you to live in a nice house and let the fields go. But he said, because the fields will help you long-term, and you can make it through the tent. You know, go through the difficulty of living in the tent, get your fields going, and then build your house. I mean, what he's saying to us is take a long-term view of the situations and events and decisions you make in life. You know, as a parent, we're going to have to trust God over and over and over again with the difficulties that come into our children's lives. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience that a lot of times you feel like agreeing with your child instead of taking a long-term, spiritually-minded view of what's going on in their life. It's not an easy thing. But in the end, you have to trust God, that God is working through these situations and you teaching them through these situations to eventually cause them to become a bigger and better and stronger person. You know, that's why you're there. You're there to steer them through these difficulties, not take them away. Again, I've said this over and over and over again. Please don't parent in this manner that you try to remove all the difficulties out of your child's life. Those are the teachable moments in their life when they're facing difficulty. Those are the times when our prayers and our faith are most evident to them. Listen, the fact of the matter is, is we ought to be teaching our children, if our faith isn't good in the valley, it isn't good any time. You're going to have problems with church kids, church leaders, youth ministry, lack of sleep, lack of free time. You have problems with acne, uh, playing time on teams, social difficulties due to their size, appearance, or just plain mean people. You're going to have problems with school kids, school teachers, kids and adults of all sorts and sizes in every place you go. That's a part of life, and we're there to help them and prepare them, not remove them from all of that. And you can let each of these skirmishes cause you to lose faith, or you can look at these as opportunities for your faith to shine. And it's just not easy, but it's what we need to do. Listen, uh, life is a bumpy road. 
As adults, we all know this. And so if we try to take every bump out of their life and, or focus on every little bump, they're never going to learn that life is a bumpy road that we have to learn to face with faith. Uh, you know, seek some wise counsel if you're really struggling with something. But you need to fight off your natural urge to keep them children as long as you can. Man, I hope that's not your attitude. I want to keep them children as long as I can. Please stop that. How about you keep them whatever their age is, period. Not younger, not older. Oh, he's my last one. I want to keep him a baby as long as I can. Ruin a kid. Keep yourself happy. I don't care what age they are, help them be that age. And no matter who they are, they're going to have some areas of their life where they're inclined to be younger than their age and other areas in their life where they're inclined to be older than their age. And it is your job to recognize those and steer them. I couldn't tell you how many times over the years I had some parent come to me and they had some 8th grader and say, oh, my 8th grader is so much more mature than all these other junior hires. All their immaturity is driving them nuts. I want to move them up to the high school class. And I would always tell them the same thing. You know what? I really don't think you should do that. I don't think it's healthy for your child to not work to fit in where they're supposed to fit in. Uh, if you're going to do that, I, I'm not going to forbid you to do that, but I strongly recommend you don't. And almost every time, they went ahead and did it anyway. And you know what happened when that kid got to be 17 or 18? Well, you know what? I'm too mature for all these high school kids. And, I just... and every time, somewhere, because they weren't where they were supposed to be when they were supposed to be there, it ended up biting them. Just help them be where they are. Number three, listen, I've been a parent. I, I, I know how easy this is to talk about and how hard it is to do. I, I get it. I, I, I get the grief, the hard feelings. You're, I get it. But we have to overcome these things by faith and do what's best for our children to help them become independent, functional <laughs> adults with their own faith in Jesus. Here's number three. Trust them, but don't be naive. <laughs> you know, some kids are sneakier than others. Uh, all children are sneaky to a degree with things they know you won't like. Uh, you ought to, if you don't have some kind of software blocking program in your house, uh, some kind of uh, internet security, if you don't monitor what they do uh, on their phone, I mean, you have your head in the sand. I mean, man, I hope it never comes out of your mouth or lands and stays in your heart. My child would never fill in the blank. I, I, I'm just, <laughs> yes, they might. You know, children are arrows, and as parents, we do point them as a mighty man points them towards a target. But unlike an arrow without its own will, sometimes the arrow decides to go a different direction than it was pointed. Uh, trust them, but don't be naive. Don't be afraid to look around their room when they're not home. 
Don't be afraid when they get older to do drug testing, to tra- put a tracker in their phone, to put a tracker in their car. Listen, you don't have to tell them. You, you, hey, by the way, I just want you to know why you're gone today. Uh, I went through your room. You know, you own the house. Uh, it's always going to create controversy when they know you went through their stuff because they are under the mistaken idea that their stuff is all theirs when it's in your house. So why create the controversy? Just go through the stuff. Trust, but don't be naive. You know, if you're paying for the Internet, the phone bill, car insurance, you know, do what you want to do in their own interest. Expect some issues when they get older. Just expect it. Number four, do everything you can to find them a healthy niche to fit in. (laughs) Or is it niche? Um, Now, as parents, our first choice and our first desire was that the niche they fit in best would be in the Lord's church, with the Lord's people, in children's ministries and teen ministries. That, that was our first desire. That was our greatest effort. Um, we really worked hard on that. I could spend 15 minutes talking about things we did to try to help them in, in that area. Um, by the way, and I say that, and I realize there's a bad crowd everywhere. There's a bad crowd in every Christian school. There's a bad crowd in every church. Uh, There's a bad crowd uh, in every homeschool co-op. I mean, there's a bad crowd everywhere. And and I get that some kids, they almost just seem like bent like a magnet to the bad crowd. But that was always a niche we first and foremost wanted them to to fit in. Uh, But you know what? If your child, and, and sometimes this happens, your child just can't find a niche anywhere, help them find something. I mean, there are a lot of healthy things that are not what I would really prefer that are better than having no place they fit in. One of the hardest things you do when you go from being an adolescent to a young adult and you're going through this natural process of wanting to become an independent, functional person, that's what the process of being a teenager is. One of the hardest things is, is, wow, I I don't fit in anywhere. And I will tell you what, there's always a group of people who will take them in, and that's the group that's doing the worst things. And so you need to, if you recognize this going on in your children, and try to find niches for them that are healthier or better uh, from them. We uh, had a situation, we were uh, working with an adult who had a child who, um, you know, really wasn't fitting in anywhere, and they wanted to bowl and be in the bowling team, and the, and the parent didn't want them on the bowling team because uh, who knows why. Uh, listen, I would rather have my kid fit in on the bowling team than have no place. You know, I'd rather have them fit in on the bowling team than hang out with the skateboarders. Look for a niche. Uh, number five. Go back in your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Second Samuel chapter 7. I'm going to have to hurry up because I've only got three minutes. (laughs) 
2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8. 2 Samuel 7, 8. It says, Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people over Israel. Here's number five. Shun and postpone fame and excessive limelight as long as you can. Do you ever wonder why God got David out of the pasture instead of the palace? And why is it then we're always trying to push our kids into the palace? Uh, if I ask you to list a name of childhood stars who become healthy, functional adults, you know what, that would be a short list. Whereas what you would find is that children who had a lot of fame when they were so young that their character was not developed enough and their personhood was not developed enough to handle it, they crash and burn bad. And so what I, I would say is uh, don't be so concerned if your child's not the valedictorian, if they don't get the key part in the Christmas drama, if they're not the best kid on their eight-year-old soccer team. You know what? Most of the kids who were the big stars at eight and ten, they were not at 17 and 18, and it really hurt those kids because they thought they were great, and that was their identity. And then everybody else hit their growth spurt and grew into their skills, and theirs didn't match up. And so... Uh, what I would just say is stay away from that stuff. Don't, don't put your kid in modeling school. Uh, don't, don't try them out for commercial. I mean, I know some parents tried their kids and got them in a couple like little kid commercials, and you know what? Their kids grew up to be kind of ugly. And you know what? It hurt both of them. Hey, li listen, uh, that's the, what that industry is built on. I, I'm not... You know, hey, you know, listen, I, I look in the mirror at, at this. I, I get it. And the last thing I'm just going to have to mention because of, of time, uh, number six, do everything you can to bring the right kind of friends into their life. Um, you know, when they're seven, it isn't such a big deal. When they're 17, it makes all the difference in the world. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And, and so uh, don't fight good friends coming into their life when they're, when they're young because most of the friends you'll have when you're a little bit older as a child, a lot of times you started that relationship younger. And so do what you can. And I just want to leave with just an encouraging sentence. Listen, you can uh, raise godly, faithful children with character who grow up to be functional adults with their own faith, with good character, who believe in God, who follow Christ. Listen, if Noah... Uh, and his wife could raise three boys in that day when the entire earth was corrupt. You and I can make it today. Uh, you should have a little piece of paper. I would like some feedback uh, from the class. Anything you liked, uh, anything you think would make it better, uh, just write it on there. Turn them in up here if you wouldn't mind, please. Thank you for coming. Next week you'll be back in your normal class or in here if you want this class.